Welcome in, everybody, to the first episode, episode number one of the Hop on the Bus podcast. My name is Ryan Williams. I am joined by one of my good, good close friends, Mr. Grant Dowling. Grant, how you doing? Doing great, Ryan. How are you? It's good, man. It's good to be back. I'm excited to see uh, to see this NBA season play out. You know, obviously the Lakers being uh, a team that has piqued my interest, uh, especially this year, uh, rather than past years. Mm-hmm. Uh, being a die being a diehard Laker fan like yourself, uh, it's it's good to see these guys coming together. But because this is our first episode, I wanted to do a quick little intro into you and me. I'll start off with myself. Uh, I have known Grant since high school. We both transferred into West Ranch High School in Santa Clarita, California. Uh, met through basketball and kind of continued down that line. And uh, now I am, uh, after graduating college and playing basketball, I've now taken on a job as the sports reporter in St. George, Utah, where I've been reporting on everything high school, everything college in the area. Uh, Grant, why don't you uh, give a little intro to yourself? Uh, well, like you said, we met in high school. Uh, through basketball. After high school, I went to school uh, at Boston University. I studied journalism. Um, Most of my experience in journalism while at the school was in sports. I covered a variety and a range of sports uh, at the school. But after it, um, I didn't want to really get into the beat writing because it's a slog and you know all about that. And um, so afterwards, I I just wanted to remain in the sports industry, and uh, luckily enough for me, uh, this past January, um, I started a part-time stats analyst position with ESPN, and it sounds amazing. It sounds really nice, but it's really just me watching games all day and making sure the stats we get are correct before they go on to the website and onto the bottom line you see on your screen. But yeah, I'm totally hyped and excited for sports to be back, and I know you'll agree with this. I'll never take sports for granted again. Absolutely. And uh, from my experience out here in Utah, talking to a lot of local athletes, high school athletes and and college, um, it was kind of one of those you you don't know what you've got till it's gone type situations. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I think that's where we're all at right now. Uh, But but given that intro, uh, you know, shout out to Grant. Uh, Thank you guys for tuning into this. This is the Hop on the Bus podcast. We're going to be following the Lakers throughout the rest of the restarted season. Uh, it's a complex one. It's a little bit of a different vibe. It's this quote-unquote new normal that we're moving towards. But uh, let's jump right into it and talk about kind of this bubble and how the NBA is really getting this restart going and how they've handled it, what's been going on. Grant, let, let's get your opinion first. Uh, like I just said, I'm very excited for sports to be back. I think everybody in a perfect world would want sports to be there. But obviously, we are very far from a perfect world, especially with the pandemic going on. Um, I would say I'm very cautiously optimistic about returning to play. Um, it's just lucky that the NBA had decided to go with a bubble um, because they usually could have chosen not to. We've seen the struggles the MB- the uh, the MLB is having this week with an outbreak with Miami's team, which is Miami's a hotspot of increasing cases re- recently. And, uh, you know, that just does not bode well for other leagues trying to restart play that currently have no plans to implement a bubble like the NFL. Uh, but, you know, I think the NBA has been obviously been successful since they started playing a week ago or almost a week ago. And, um, 
if the MLS and the NWSL, the NWSL before them are any indication, uh, the, su- the success should continue as long as uh, every person involved holds their weight and takes this very seriously. And I think that's going to be the big key is that every person has to take this seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you talk, you talk about the MLB where we see this outbreak with Miami. My biggest question here is, you know, the, there's a, there's a two week incubation period that comes along with this virus. We know is the coronavirus, the COVID-19 and uh, that two week incubation period. I mean, a guy, they, they can, they can be infectious or excuse me, contagious two to three days before they start to, to show symptoms, if at mm-hmm. all. So now we're talking about, wow, this is a gray area. You know, how, how is the MLB going to handle that? Okay, you know, and, and report came out that all the Phillies tested negative. You know, they, they, they did not mm-hmm. test positive for the coronavirus, which is a good start. Morning. Yeah, but then you start to get into that, okay, this two-week incubation period kind of raises some concerns on that level. Uh, and I think the NBA is doing a great job of they did a great job informing this bubble they found an ideal place to do so uh and it's been fun it's been fun to see these scrimmages it's been fun to see players back on the court and they're doing they're doing it well right now i mean at major league baseball was doing it well for those first at the the first little bit when players came back to training camp that mm-hmm. two-week period was the most worrisome because you're sitting there like okay you know the two-week incubation period that second week of testing was what was really going to decide here. Right. And I think they had something like 0.5% players test positive after that two weeks period. And now you're sitting there like, okay, this is starting to look legit. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, you know, you have to deal with players leaving the, leaving the stadium, leaving the practice facility, leaving and going back to their families and coming back. And you don't know what they're doing on the side with their families. You don't know if they're walking into a Walmart without a mask on. You don't know right. if they're walking around town without a mask on. I mean, you don't know their personal beliefs, their opinions on the topic, which there are many. So it's just such a such a big – everything is in limbo with the MLB. And there's nothing mm-hmm. for certain. I feel like the NBA has done a good job of containing that to some extent. And we'll talk about the one – instance that we saw recently where that wasn't contained later on in the pod but i i think that it's been good to see the nba doing this at least what i think of as as the right way right i think um i actually just got finished talking with my dad about this a second ago uh you know there's going to be a certain amount of risk involved with any league trying to resume play under the conditions but uh thus far you know all the evidence we have regarding a bubble is that it has provided a real uh, extra layer of security uh, in a sense. Um, you know, after a week of play, the NBA has been successful keeping the virus out. Uh, you know, Major League Soccer is at the same worldwide sports complex in Orlando as the NBA, and they've successfully gone more than two weeks without an outbreak. Uh, you know, they're into elimination play in their in their tournament. They just finished group play uh the wnba kicked off just three or just two or three days ago in a bubble at the uh, img academy also in florida um and we i don't know if you want to talk about the conditions of that uh area but you know it's working um and lastly though i do want to emphasize that the uh national women's soccer league the nwsl was the first american sports league to resume play about a month or so ago and it was the first league to successfully pull this off 
this whole bubble idea off. They just wrapped up their return to play event, the Challenge Cup, the Challenge Cup, and uh, this past Sunday, and in doing so, became the first league in America to to successfully complete an event since league shut down back in March. So you know, I I just wanted to emphasize that the N- the NBA and MLS would not be seeing this the success that they are if not for the NWSL figuring something out before them, because I promise you they were watching and taking notes of what that league was doing uh, with their bubble down in Salt Lake City. Yeah, and, and you take a look at the bubble and inside the bubble, and this is where we'll get to talk about kind of the conditions that you had mentioned. I thought this was the funniest part to this whole this whole deal, whatever, ordeal, whatever you want to call it, this whole situation was you had these NBA guys arriving at the bubble, getting ready to restart practices and play and activities. And all of a sudden they're, they're moaning and groaning about some Stacy's pita chips, some grilled chicken and some, and some salads. And I'm sitting there, I, I think it was, who was it? I think it was Troy Daniels had posted a picture on his Instagram. I think it was R- Rajon Rondo. Was it Rondo? Somebody had posted. I, think so. I mean, yeah, there were, there were multiple players that posted. And, 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 you know, with the big emoji of the guy with a hand over his face. And I'm just like, dude, you guys are so spoiled. I mean, you don't want to say spoiled. I mean, they, they earn the money that they, they deserve, you know I mean? They're, right. they're, they're, they're getting but the money for their, their worth. Exactly. And then you're looking at, okay, the same day, that exact same day you're seeing those photos, the WNBA is arriving at their bubble and they're getting fed what looks like cafeteria food from my 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 third grade cafeteria and there's you know, mold all over the laundry room floor mold you're talking about worms i mean there, there's there, just just conditions that if the nba would have been put in i think we we would be seeing a much different bubble or we would not be seeing one at all mm-hmm. and and so for that to happen i saw uh, an interview with stephen adams that was really telling where he looked at, he looked at, uh, I think it was someone on Zoom had asked this question, you know, what, what it's like being in the bubble. He, he's like, we're living at a resort. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you can't, you can't get much better than that. And, and you got a freaking barber shop, you've got a lounge, you've got all, all you can essentials eat. Are taken care of. What, whatever you need, they got it. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the WNBA is over here seeing conditions that are subpar at best. And, mm-hmm. and we're talking about the argument of, oh, well, let's talk about uh, the revenue of the league. You know what? At some point, you got to get that to a point where you matter. realize exactly the, the NBA makes so much money that the WNBA needs to have good conditions for their players, no matter if they're making that money or not, because mm-hmm. that is just that whole argument is out the door right now. If you're going to put in on my, in my return to. Pl- yeah, if excuse me, but if you're going to put on a return to play uh, plan. I like, I don't care if you're the NBA. I don't care if you're some U nine travel soccer team. You, you just need like reasonable living conditions. And the way the WNBA arrive is just like, that's just not cool. Like straight up. And but both bubbles are through the same league. That's the craziest part to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the unfortunate part. Yeah. I mean, just the, the, the complaining from like a handful of WNBA or a handful of NBA players, you know, this isn't a league wide thing that's, that's going on. You know, there's not a bunch of players complaining about this, but uh, you know, it's just out of touch and tone deaf with what's going on. And you know, the real struggles that this pandemic is actually putting people through. 
I mean, if you follow my words or, you know, work, um, you'll know that I'm nearly always on the side of players regarding pretty much any topic when it comes to like pay, getting your money, getting your contracts, um, when it comes to like, you know, who who the bur- who should bear the burden of helping pay the day to day workers at stadiums that should be on the owners, not the players. The owners have all the money. But I digress. Uh, you know, these play like I'm always on the side of the players, but they're in an especially privileged situation in the context of the of the pandemic with the bubble, because I know I know it's different than what NBA players are used to. And it's hard to be away from family for so long. I totally understand that. I, I don't want to write that off. But for some players to be complaining about food or certain accommodations in the bubble at the moment, like the moment they arrive, the day they arrive, while normal people all over the country are starting to be evicted because they can't make rent due to the pandemic, it just comes off as tone deaf. And like, you know, sure, like the food should be better for NBA players, I guess, than what they showed. They need a lot. They need to eat a lot more than the average person on a daily basis. But there's no need to publicly complain about that while some of your fans are having a much tougher time writing this pandemic out. Just take that up privately with the league or whoever is doing the catering. The, the, the normal people, Right, exactly. Normal people don't have a bubble built for them that has so far kept the virus out and caters to your daily needs and essentials. You, you have this, this privilege and... You know, I, 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 I really don't want to be too harsh on the players because, you know, they get crap all the time for uh, their privileges and what fans expect out of them on a daily day to day basis. But this is one of those instances where you should just not be you should just be quiet, uh, enjoy the privilege that you have in the context of the pandemic, because, you know, the normal person would much rather be in that situation i think than uh you know what they're what they're going through t- today so yeah absolutely people can't even get a haircut meanwhile you got a barber shop uh, in between yeah. hotels i mean we you know and and the funny thing is is that you we we laugh you know we we talk about it we talk about the um you know like you said i don't want to i don't want to say privilege i mean that is such a interesting word right now especially in today's right. day and age but um you know, talk about the just where they are living, what they are going through, and I really think Stephen Adams put that into perspective. And mm-hmm. then to jump jump back and look at the WNBA and look at what's been going on, not just in the United States but around the world. Yeah, we uh, must say it, that it, there it, are it, a lot of players that do understand the the situation that they're in, and it, you know, there's there's probably a lot more of them than those that are that or that were complaining, but. You, you know, nobody should be complaining. That's the point. Definitely. And and with but but at the end of the day, you know, we look at those complaints and we talk about them and we discuss them. But you have to admit the NBA from what we've seen, what I've seen on social media, what I've seen uh, in journalism, in sports journalism, kind of around the country. It seems like they are doing a fantastic job, if not a uh, above uh, above average, definitely above average job of of keeping these players satisfied keeping them in good conditions and keeping the coronavirus pandemic, hopefully fingers crossed, knock on wood out of the bubble. Right. So, so with that, now we jump into the next, I mean, we're kind of going in chronological order here. Now we jump (laughs) into the restart, restart of scrimmages. And, and of course this is a Lakers podcast hop on the bus, a la the bus family. 
uh, let's get into the Lake Show and what uh, we thought, you Grant, Grant and I's thoughts on these first couple of games. So um, I just want to put into context, these are just scrimmages. Uh, you know, these are not games that count. Teams are not putting out players uh, in normal rotations to win. They're probably just throwing players out there to, uh, you know, get people into game shape if they're not already. Uh, so don't, out... call, don't, don't, don't call Grant out on Twitter for this, please. Don't. <laughs> right. Uh, this is, uh, you know, these are not games that we should be taking big takeaways away from. This is not, these are not games that we should take anything and say this is going to directly, uh, without difference, apply to what comes for the eight play-in games and the playoffs that follow. So let's just throw that out the window. Let's not make let's not make too big of a deal out of any of these scrimmages. That being said, um, I think the most important thing and probably the 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 thing that's stuck out the most regarding the Lakers during these scrimmages, aside from LeBron looking like he's determined and in shape, you know, Anthony Davis is still in shape. He got poked in the eye. We'll see if he's uh, fully ready for Thursday. There's there's some concern that he might not be ready for Thursday's opener against the Clippers. Um, Dion Waiters, I don't know if you are on Waiters Island, uh, Ryan, but he has been pretty good for this team. And again, it's just a scrimmage, but you can tell that he provides things for this team that they haven't had off the bench. And, you know, I hate to see any player go down with an injury, but you know where I stand when it comes to Rajon Rondo. Um, if you ask me, he's just... He just can't space the floor consistently enough. He can't defend guards on the perimeter, which are the two essential things that guards need to have to be successful teammates around LeBron. We've seen that throughout his career. Um, so I think, you know, the fact that the Lakers lost Rondo, but now instead have to rely more on the KCPs, the Carusos, the Dion Waiters. I think that's just a, a, a net positive for this team. And I think, I think we've really seen how uh, this new mesh of uh, players enjoy playing with each other and can really uh, space the floor and move the ball at a much better pace. And I think, you know, it'll pay off for the for the Lakers down the stretch here. Oh, for sure. I, I have never been a big Rajon Rondo fan. Uh, I, I have always thought of him as strictly a playmaker, which isn't a bad thing. I think the Lakers needed that. I think when you have enough scoring ability surrounding you it is somewhat distracted or uh you know Rajon Rondo's inability to shoot the ball is kind of put uh on, on the back burner almost you don't really see that as much when you're surrounding him with the Danny Greens and the Anthony Davises and the LeBron James when he's more there just to make a play happen and I, I think he does that well but when you talk about his spacing there it, it's it's almost non-existent and, mm-hmm. and you look at a guy like you look at a guy like a Dion Waiters, who's got the scoring ability. Now, R- Rondo did not play defense to begin with. Let's let's get that out right. the window here. Mm-hmm. I, the, the guy was by no means a defensive specialist. Now you put in a Dion Waiters, who's a little bit taller, a little bit bigger, uh, and more of a scorer and a shooter, and someone who, if given the ball, can make a play. And also not a big defensive pl- player there. I think you almost see that 
equal shift between you're not really getting a defensive gain, which, you know, obviously that's going to hurt. And especially when you're missing a guy in an Avery Bradley, but you get that added scoring ability, the ability to catch the ball, hit, hit a guy with a pump fake, one dribble pull up. Whereas Rondo, it's, if you're getting closed out hard, hold on, let me try and drive the baseline and make something happen. Right. He needs the ball. He needs the ball to, to maximize his impact on this team, which can kind of backfire, uh, on on a too often basis you know uh there's there's plenty of times where he is looking for the right pass and looking to to dime somebody and dribbling the ball but you know sometimes it's just six seven seconds left on the shot clock and he just finally passes and gives the ball to somebody else and they have to create with create a shot with six seconds to go and that's just not efficient offense that just stagnates everything um yeah, I think no, I, I and I, and I couldn't agree more. He's not he's not a creator. He he or excuse me, he is a creator. He but he's not a uh, you know a play. He's a playmaker, not a creator. Jeez, I'm getting my words tied up. Uh, he's someone that needs to have the ball in his hands at all times. And like you said, if you throw him the ball with five seconds left, you know he's going to end up chucking up a seventy footer. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I don't. I think Dion is just a much better complement to this team. Because he can space the floor. He's a very good spot-up shooter. We know he can create his own shot. And, you know, when he is when he does draw the second defender off the drive, he can find the right pass and, you know, find somebody open for a nice dime. I, you know, I think the it's it, I think it's like a complete 180 if you go from Rondo to Dion with this team because it just flows better. It just it just keeps the offense moving. Now, like there there are other new additions to this team, like J.R. Smith who lit it up yesterday he shot six for seven from three but again i don't let's not let's not go overboard with the takeaways from these scrimmages i don't see jr getting major minutes but he's additional firepower nonetheless that has plenty of playoff experience especially next to lebron and you know that the additions of dion jr and then if kuzma can just keep his shooting confidence without overthinking I think he can be the third star that this team needs him to be. You know, the first game, he he really didn't shoot well, but you could tell he was just trying to guide, I, to me at least, he could. He was just trying to guide the shot too much, uh, to put too much touch on his shot, just kind of overthinking it and in, in his head about it. But uh, the second game, he was, just, he was just out there shooting, taking the shots given to him without a second thought, it looked like. Just letting the game come to him, and he lit it up. So I think, you know, yeah. it's just in his head. He was so aggressive and scored like it was second nature his rookie season. That seems like a lifetime ago. You know, that was without pressure, uh, without the pressure of being expected to be bronze second in command behind AD, you know. Um, but as a whole, I, I, I have to praise GM Rob Polinka for having found all these gems for free in Dwight Howard, Markeith Morris, who's going to be huge guarding wings for us down the stretch. Dion Waiters and JR all for free. Like this team is deep. So I think losing Ivor Bradley is obviously a major blow defensively, but at the same time, Rondo being out means they won't have to rely on Rondo to take on even more minutes than he would normally get in Bradley's absence, which would, I think, compound their defensive holes without Bradley. KCP yeah. starting in place of Bradley brought a 17 to 3 record for the Lakers this season. And I'm sure he'll start in Bradley's place. So I think I just think a healthy mix of KCP, Danny Green, Alex Caruso, Dion Waiters, and you know, throwing some Quinn Cook or JR 
that should be good enough to between them all to keep the floor space and the Western Conference guards at bay while LeBron and AD do their thing. Oh, I feel that, and I, and I definitely will say this: I've never been a big KCP fan, uh, but but I did like what I saw out of him when he needed to step up this year. On the Kuzma topic, not overthinking his shot. Uh, that was the biggest thing I took out of it. But again, we're talking about not taking too many, you know, big life-changing takeaways from these scrimmages. Right. Kuzma, Kuzma is not a number one option right now. Mm-hmm. In that scrimmage, he was the number one option. Right. He was the guy who was getting the ball, going one-on-one, isolation, like et- ex- exactly, etc. And you could tell that it got to him. Now the second game wasn't much different right he did put up what was it 25 or something like that so you're you're talking about him being able to put the put the ball in the hole and not overthinking not getting in his own head he's just not a number one option if he's a guy who can get the ball and hit a three or make a good play here and there and give and get nine to ten shots a game and hit five of them that is all the lakers need out of him uh and so so i think that what we saw in the scrimmage was him being frustrated, but getting way more shots than what he is going to get in the regular season in this restart uh, and way more shots than he's been used to getting in the recent future. Now onto the guard rotation with no Rondo and, and or Bradley, kind of what you were talking about. I, I was, I was never, uh, and I, I already said this, never a big fan of Rondo, never a big fan of KCP. But you add in Danny Green, who's just, I mean, that dude is just consistent. He's solidly consistent. Uh, A guy like an Alex Caruso, who I don't think a Caruso is going to be a guy who's, again, your number one point guard, but a guy who rises to the occasion, a guy who has been the underdog his entire life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Somebody who was at Texas A&M and played well, came up, fought his way through the, the G League, and got got his way onto an NBA roster. He's like the uh, ultimate blue is, guy on this team. Exactly. He he is your 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 blue collar, button it up and let's get to work kind of guy. Uh, and that mentality is something that I don't know that I see out of many other guys on the Lakers necessarily. These are guys who were were either highly sought after once in their career or highly sought after throughout their career. And, and I think that Caruso is that one guy that really brings that edge and that kind of, I'm going to put my all out 100% of the time because I know that my next game isn't a given. Uh, and I think that adds a certain aspect to it. And, and so we'll, we'll have to see. Only time will tell. Uh, the restart, obviously, coming up this week. Very exciting time to be a Lakers fan. Uh, and it's going to be fun to actually see these guys get down to it and play some meaningful I don't want to say the scrimmages weren't meaningful, but they weren't. Uh, uh, you know, get some get some meaningful basketball under them. With that, moving on to Thursday and the Clippers, we got to talk about this. This has been the biggest topic in the NBA over the last week. Kendrick Perkins is giving his usual cold, ice cold <laughs> takes. Um, let, let's get to it. This whole Lou Williams situation, right mm-hmm. now. I don't think that we can talk too much into the specifics as you've seen Montrez Harrell coming on Twitter and saying there's more to it than you think. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there is. I'm sure that there is. Let's talk about what we know on the surface. Lou right. Williams left the bubble for a family reason. 
left. That night, he is photographed at Magic City, the infamous gentleman's club in Atlanta with rapper Jack Harlow on his Instagram story. So we get there. Now that just goes crazy. I mean, nuclear, viral. Mm-hmm. He pulls it down, tries to say that that was an old picture. Williams you know, with I, his NBA mask in the photo. Exactly. I mean, he's Jack Harlow was trying to play some damage control because he knew what he had done. Oh, for sure. And uh, and and so let, let's get into this whole situation and also talk about now Lou Williams is on 10-day quarantine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, here's my problem. And if you would allow me to kind of expound on this for a second here. Uh, like you said, I don't think anybody reasonable is trying to invalidate the reasons Lou had for leaving the bubble he was seeing his grandfather laid to rest that's completely justified if he uh you know chooses to leave the bubble for that we want to respect that um and you know you know what's else uh in my opinion i don't even mind that he was at magic city to get wings if that was truly the case you know if, if somebody's out of the bubble and goes to get something like you know we're we're not in a bubble we're we're, we're self-quarantining and you know i'm i'm sure you just like me go out to pick some food up every now and then but you know we retain our space what bothers me about the situation and has continued to uh bother me the longer this discourse has gone on along with lou williams tweeting about it yesterday going in, in a back and forth with perkins is the fact that we did see him without a mask in one of those videos in one of those pictures and again we, we want to talk about what we do know we don't know how long he was actually there but let's just say, let's just give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he was there just to pick up the wings. Those wings did look incredible, by the way. Like, I, I oh, totally absolute, understand if he's, if, if, he, if, he, if he, like, I totally understand that he wants those wings. I would, I'd probably do the same thing if I was in this situation. Those looked incredible, totally worth it. But anyway, what bothers me is that he, he took to Twitter to try and push back on the flack he got for doing this by explaining that he was attending his grandfather's funeral. And again, nobody's trying to invalidate that reasoning perfectly acceptable for him leaving the bubble, but that's not addressing the concern and the criticism people take with him. It only takes one infection of, uh, of the virus to pop the bubble. They seem to have so carefully successfully established in Orlando. Like, and again, I, I just want to emphasize this. I don't care that he took a detour on his way back to grab some wings. We all like wings, but to own the fact, but he should own the fact that his actions could have been, could have threatened this whole operation, this whole return to play operation. What if Jack Harlow had never posted that video and Lou did bring the virus back with him into the bubble right now? Like you said, he's being held on a 10 day quarantine, which I guess is the NBA's protocol. If they break, if the players break the protocol of uh you know just socially a, just a, and not just you know. a tidbit just a tidbit on that grant so the the nba uh will will take a look at the risk of the situation right and okay. give them a quarantine between you know 14 days in the, in that range of how you know no days to 14 days depending on the risk of the situation so continue right okay that i'm glad you brought that up because uh, so that sounds like it's on a case-by-case basis right so if Harlow had never posted that video, 
I'm sure his quarantine period upon returning to the Lou Williams quarantine period upon returning to the bubble without those IG videos would have probably just been the normal four days, which we are seeing happen to actually a bunch of Clippers players over the past week because they're just getting back to the bubble for for uh, a multitude of reasons for leaving the bubble. But he's now been quarantined for 10 days. And like if 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 without those videos, he he. We don't like if he brought back the virus and was only quarantined for four days. Uh, we know that symptoms can take days after first exposure to prevent to, to present themselves. So if he was just quarantined for four days and he started to present symptoms on the fifth day and he's out and about practicing with his team or, you know, I guess I think the fifth day would have been Thursday. The first day they got to play the Lakers. That could have been disastrous and it could have had a MLB situation on our hands. So my whole problem with the thing is that just own up to it, Lou Williams. Like, we completely understand that you had to leave the bubble. I don't care that you went to grab some wings on the way back, but you can't just push back the criticism without even owning the fact that you could have threatened the whole league's return. And, you know, I, I just haven't seen that ownership or the, that responsibility the past few days. And, and I feel you exactly uh, on that topic. I'm 100% with you. Uh, let's get back to those wings because, man, oh, man, my mouth was oh. watering. Uh, the fries also I'm gonna go, looked I'm gonna quite, go there just for those wings, man. quite delicious. So, you know, we talk about all the gentlemen's clubs and the buffets and all the jokes that people like to make about it, but that looked legit. Um, I will say this. You are correct in that Lou Williams had every right to leave the bubble for his grandfather's funeral. There's no doubt about that. Nobody is talking on that. What we are talking on is the fact that he left that funeral, and instead of making his way back to the bubble immediately, he decided that he wanted to go to Magic City. Again, no problems if you're stopping by with your mask on, grabbing some wings, and heading out. Now let's now now in comes the snitch, Mister Snitch Jack Harlow. <laughs> uh, the, Jack Harlow, man, I, I could only imagine the text convo between who he, him and Lou Williams as he's trying to right his wrong on his Instagram story. That boy was sweating. Uh, let's laugh about that. But on another note, you know, we talk about that. There's a, there's a 14-day a incubation period for this virus where it could show the symptoms or it could not, right? There's also the possibility of asymptomatic. So I'm not trying to say that I'm, I work for the CDC. I'm not Dr. Anthony Fauci. I'm just letting it known that that is, that is what has been, been told and educated to myself through this process. Let's say he wouldn't have been caught, as you mentioned, came back to the bubble, maybe a four-day quarantine based on the risk of the situation he was in. Uh, now we're talking only four days. Say he shows symptoms eight days in, you are most, in, uh, most contagious uh, two to three days before you show symptoms or not. Mm-hmm. So now we're talking that, like you said, that really could have burst this bubble. And I think that could have been really bad. So Lou Williams, I, I've got much respect for Lou Williams. One of the, uh, you know, the Clippers call him the OG, but uh, one, of, one of those guys that, worked his way through the league, up through the, the league, Lakers. six man of the year, on the Lakers. I got nothing but respect for Lou Williams. Uh, but, you know, for him to continue to say there's more to this story than you think, I, I think it's time that that he step up, not just take responsibility, but but 
but tell his side of the story if he's going to continue to jibber back, jabber back and forth with uh, guys like freezing cold take Kendrick Perkins. But that's that's a whole another side of that. Um, now that we've spoken on that topic, let's move to Thursday, the the day of all days, uh, the day that I have blocked off in my calendar for the last I don't know what has it been a month since they released the the schedule. Mm-hmm. Let's let's get to that. The matchup we've all been waiting for. Obviously, they will be without Lou Williams. Let's talk about what you see on Thursday, Grant. So, last time we saw these two teams was obviously before this pandemic hit. Um, I think the Lakers really figured out something. Obviously, they beat the Clippers for the first time this season in uh, in three meetings. I think they really figured something out down the stretch, which uh, to any viewers out there, any Lakers fans out there, if you go back and watch that fourth quarter, LeBron James was targeting Lou Williams and trying to get that switch onto him down the stretch. And it worked every single time because Lou Williams is not known to be a defender as is. And he's definitely not going to be known as a defender to stop LeBron James. So there's, there's a take out there that um, I actually believe in a bit uh i forget who it was but i I, you know forgive me for uh forgetting your name but on twitter i saw somebody say that lou williams missing this game on thursday might might not might work against the lakers favor because then you know down the stretch lebron james does not have him to attack you know it might be a different player that lebron seeks out and switches on onto but it's obviously wouldn't be his first choice, uh, which was Lou Williams the last time we met. Um, I think uh, it's the first game back from four months off and only three tune-up scrimmages. So, you know, I think we'll see a lot of sloppy play. Kawhi Leonard hasn't even shot the ball well in uh, in their scrimmages. Um, it, you know, it might be some of the ugliest, best basketball we see all season. Um but, you know, I'm just looking forward to a very exciting contest between these two L.A. teams who expect to see each other in the Western Conference Finals. Absolutely. And and I will say this. The, the memory that immediately comes to my brain is me sitting in my LeBron James jersey on Christmas Day uh, just absolutely deflated. Uh, and, and, and that feeling... Uh, is not something that I have forgotten. Now, the last game you brought up was an amazing game. No doubt, great basketball games between both these teams. You look all the way back to opening day. Uh, now, now or opening night, pardon me. Now we talk about opening up this restart with uh, the rivalry of LA, these two franchises, one of them who will is and possibly will forever be fighting to be the top team in Los Angeles and the other who has been the most storied franchise in the city for ever since they've been there. Uh, I, I think that this game might not show that rivalry, but like you said, fingers crossed come those Western conference finals, we'll be seeing what it's about on Thursday. We will see this rivalry get sparked back up. And, and we'll see what the Clippers' mentality is starting this this bubble. And, and I think that that could for, fast forward to those Western Conference Finals, and it could, sh- 
it could give us a little insight to those Western Conference Finals. Uh, I think we're going to see whether or not teams are taking this seriously. Uh, and and I, I'm looking forward to the Utah Jazz Pelicans game, the early game. So uh, a lot of fun, a lot of fun to be had. Happy that the NBA is restarting, but uh, it's 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 going to be a fun one on Thursday. So make sure you're tuned in. I think uh, just last thing. I think um, you know, I think what the context that we should be focused on with this Thursday matchup between the Clippers and Lakers is that the Lakers are five and a half games ahead of the Clippers, and I. You know, it's very it's a there's a very slim chance that the Clippers catch them in eight games. Um, so if I'm the Clippers, I'm focusing on keeping my second or third seed, which means that the Clippers are on the opposite opposite side of the bracket from the Lakers come playoff time. Uh, you know, the Lakers, I think, are sitting pretty comfortable five and a half games up in first. So maybe there's a chance that they don't go all out with this game, even though I think we all would like them to. But the Clippers are, I believe, only a game and a half ahead of the Jazz in fourth, which would, if if they managed to drop down to fourth in these eight games, would put them on the same side of the bracket as the Lakers, which, again, I'm I'm sure I'm sure they're trying to avoid. So I think that's like the biggest context coming into Thursday. For sure, and like I said, it's gonna be fun to see how these teams are adjusting, how they're um, they're getting to that that competitive spirit and where they were prior. Uh, and I think only time will tell and come the playoffs, you know, fingers crossed we have playoffs. I think that's when we're really going to get to see this, that, that high level basketball that we're used to seeing in the NBA. And of course, always in the playoffs. But uh, as for that, this has been the first episode of the hop on the bus podcast for Grant Dowling. My name is Ryan Williams. We'll be giving you, you guys, all you want to hear about the Lakers, our opinions on the two teams and uh, we'll be we'll be going through the restart season, uh, talking about everything Lakers. So make sure to stay tuned to our podcast, like, subscribe, comment, whatever you got to do. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Uh, until next time, we'll talk to you then.